Morning, everyone. Great to see you this morning. How are you all? Good, good. Thank you for praying for me uh, for my recent trip to South Sudan. It was a great time. And actually, we're just going to show you a quick video to give you a flavor of what it was like. So let's Hi there, we're here at Caperta International Airport, as you can see. Domestic lounge is over there, business class is over under the tree over there. We've had a great week here in South Sudan, and this short video is going to give you a little snippet of what we've done.
the worship was the, the recording outside my bedroom window that Anna referred to last week. So that's what we went to sleep uh, with. Most of the time we joined in, but uh, sometimes it was a bit tired and tried to sleep with that going on outside your bedroom window. But uh, thank you for your prayers. It, um, if you want to receive more information on that, it's in our report that I, I send out. If you don't get that report and you would like to, contact the office and uh, you can get added onto. Uh, the the list and thank you Tom and Adam for walking 40 kilometers 24 miles something like that yesterday to raise money for Life Bridging Works as well anyway it's my joy to continue in our series on Exodus or redeemed from slavery to the people of God because we're mostly in Exodus but we will venture out of Exodus as well as we look at that period in Israel's history. Uh, not, and as Anna uh, looked at last week, she looked at the Passover with Israel coming out of Egypt, not with them sneaking out as, uh, uh, as people but with them plundering the Egyptians, with them defeating Egypt and Egypt's gods, most importantly. For us in the new covenant, obviously Christ is our Passover lamb. His blood painted on the doorposts of our lives when we surrender to him means that God's righteous judgment against our sin is passed over on to Jesus. Sin just being our mistreatment of God, our mistreatment of each other, and our mistreatment of the creation that he has given us. God, as righteous judge, in his goodness, he is not compromised thanks to the cross because his judgment, his punishment on those things is placed on Jesus instead of on us. And in Jesus, we get redeemed like Israel not by the skin of our teeth, but we receive the righteousness of Jesus. Hallelujah. We have, the Bible tells us in Christ Jesus, that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is available to us in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Anyone say amen to that? Amen. You are more than redeemed, the Bible tells us. Actually, you have been raised up with Christ. You are a co-heir with the Lord Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 makes clear to us. The living God who dwells in unapproachable light, you now can approach as your heavenly father. And you as a dear loved child, a son and daughter of the king. Hallelujah. That is available to everybody who surrenders their life to Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we bear our own sin before God. And as we saw for the Egyptians, and as we will see further today, did not go well for them, and it will not go well for you. So there will be an opportunity at the end to surrender your life to Jesus if you haven't done that, or if you've done that and you've walked away and you think, no, I need to get right with God again then uh, please uh, join me in praying. Actually, let's just let's, let's do it now. If you're here and you don't know Jesus or you know that you've walked away and you think, actually, no, I need to get right with God, then just pray this prayer in your heart to God. He knows exactly what you're thinking and what you're going through. So just, can I just ask us to close our eyes and just before God, just pray this in your heart along with me.
Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me enough to send Jesus to die on the cross for me. Please forgive me of all the things that I've done that are wrong. And through the power of your Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, help me to live the rest of my life for you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, uh, please come and see me afterwards. I'd love to give you this little booklet here and to help you in your Christian journey. If you're watching online, please contact the office. And again, we will uh, send you some stuff to help you in your Christian walk with God. But anyway, let's carry on now in our uh, series in Exodus as we look at how in faith we are to obediently keep in step with the Holy Spirit and walk down the path that God has carved out of the sea of this life for you. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 13. Otherwise, it will appear on the screen behind me if you just want to follow it on there. We'll just read the first bit of, uh, the, uh, from verse 17 of Exodus 13 to start with. It says this. When Pharaoh let the people, of people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, least the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart before the people. And we'll just stop there for a minute. The people leave Egypt. The passage makes it clear that they are equipped for battle physically, but they are not ready for battle. They were battle ready, but they are not ready for battle. The Lord knew that they were not ready to fight the battle emotionally, mentally, and of course, most importantly, spiritually as well. Their trust had grown in God, but not to the point of trusting God with their lives. God, in his kindness, shows grace to them in their weakness, and he also shows his power to deal with their oppressors once and for all, as we'll read in a, in a minute. God leads them by a supernatural means of the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire by day, representing his presence, his Holy Spirit, on them and with them as a people. My friends, Jesus Christ, as we've heard already this morning, is the good shepherd. He will lead your life better than you could yourself. He will lead you in a way that you can cope with. He will protect you from things that you can't cope with as well. And his spirit's leading of your life isn't always the most 
direct route. It's not always, oh, we've got to get to B, A to B, so there's the line. The Spirit sometimes take us, takes us wandering around different paths. And sometimes it's for this reason, because we're not ready to face the challenges if we were to go the most direct route, like the people of Israel. He knows what we can cope with, what temptations and testings we can endure. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And God is faithful, and he will not lead, let you be tempted beyond your ability. Now let's remember as a people of God that temptations come in the form of commission, those things that we do that we shouldn't do, and omission, those things that we don't do that we should do. Jesus perfectly managed all of the temptations and tests that came his way. And he is able to help you to do the same. It says this in Hebrews 2, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Later on, we will see with Israel that though they were actually in a place where they should have been ready for battle, they chose not to be through their unbelief. The Israelites said, oh, we're not able to go up into the promised land. And yet God reflects on that moment in Deuteronomy 1, says you would not. Israel says, oh, we cannot, we're not able to. God says, you can, but you are not willing to go. You see, being ready for battle was and is a matter of faith and obedience. What about you, my friends? What about you? Are there things, and we've heard some of these things actually this morning, it's amazing how God works like that. Are there things that God is calling you to do? that you just feel, oh, I, I can't do that. I'm not able to do that. And the truth is you may not be able. You may not. Uh, you, it, might, it might be true that you can't do that. But in Christ Jesus, you can. It's not about your ability. It's about your faith in God's ability to deliver. In Christ, you see, you have everything you need to face every obstacle that comes your way. You may not be able to, but God can. You see, the Israelites, when they were fighting uh, Goliath, actually, they had all they need, but no one was willing to face the giant until David, who only had a sling, said, I will, because in God, I can. In Christ, you have been given everything you need for every battle that you will ever face. But are you ready for battle? That's the real question that God is wanting to impress upon you this morning. And of course, as I talk about battle and that sort of thing, you know we're not talking about a physical battle here. We're talking about a spiritual battle that God calls us to as Christians. Remember, when you surrendered your life to Christ Jesus, you weren't enlisting yourself up for a cruise holiday. You were enlisting yourself up to join a battleship. Are you ready to overcome the tests and the trials that come your way? It's about your mindset, isn't it? Ephesians 6 says, Therefore, take up the whole armour of God 
that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. It's not if it comes, it's in the evil day. It's gonna, it's, you're going to face evil days. 1 Peter tells us, always be prepared to make a defense to the, anyone who asks for the reason for the hope that you have in Christ. He goes on to say a little later in Peter, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking, i.e. there was times when you're going to suffer for God. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of their time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, your wants and desires, but for the will of God. My friends, whether that suffering in, in, in our land looks like ridicule, whether it looks like being excluded from certain friendship groups, whether it looks like being not looked on for promotion, being overlooked for promotion, or whether it just looks like being looked down upon and people teasing you. None of it's nice. But my friends, now in this world is not the time to be seeking comfort and relaxing. You see, the Bible tells us that your, that, 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 that your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He will try to intimidate you not to do things that God has, uh, has told you to do and entice you to do things that God has told you not to do. Don't be seeking worldly comfort here and now. Seek the comfort that comes from the comforter. Amen? You see... We're not called to be living for here and now. We're called to be living for the purposes of God and the future. Joseph got that in this passage. You notice that, that Joseph is mentioned how he was thinking beyond his life and he wanted the one who led Israel down into Egypt wanted to go with Israel when they came out of Egypt. Interesting, isn't it? He only spent 17 years in that land out of the 110 years that he lived so that's 93 years he had lived in Egypt, and yet he wanted to be buried in the promised land. His focus was on the purposes of God, and he made preparation for after his death. What about you, my friends? What legacy are you looking to invest in the kingdom of God. And I'm not talking about money in your will to the church, although that's a great thing to do. You can't take anything with you, but you can send it before you go in terms of what you give to the kingdom and work here and now, and you can send a bonus after you go as well. But I'm talking about the legacy in terms of your family, in terms of your friends, in terms of the things that God has called you to do here on earth and once you caught up in. You see, your life is not just about you. Do you know, that's a modern misconception, actually. It's, it's a modern misconception. You have a part to play in God's plan, and God wants the influence of your life to fan out to the coming generations after you, colouring them with the victories of faith that you make here and now on earth. Amen? Amen. 
Let's move on. Let's move on to read one of the uh, most famous Bible passages. I'm going to read a lot of scripture, actually, because it's such a great uh, piece of uh, scripture now. So, uh, so bear with me, but it's a really interesting story. It should appear on the, the screen behind me as well. It says, says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi Haharoth, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, and, and they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed towards the people. And they said, what is this we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him. He took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them and Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and all his army uh, and overtook them and encamped at the sea by Pi-Haharoth in front of Baal-Sephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Shut up, in other words, he's saying to them. Stop moaning. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts and his chariots and his horsemen and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove, back, drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. The Egyptians pursued 
and went in after them into the midst of the sea. All Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, his horsemen, and in the morning watched the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. They knew the name of the Lord now, didn't they? Remember they started, Who is the Lord? Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the hosts of Pharaoh that, that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained, but the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus, the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel, the Egyptian, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. And then Moses produces this song um, to remind the Israelites of what God has done and some wonderful uh, bits in there. And then we get to this part at the end of Exodus uh, 15. I just want to read because I'm going to pick up on this as well. In verse 22, it says, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statue and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 trees. They encamped there by the water. Hallelujah. What a great piece of uh, writing. What a great piece of, of our history uh, as the people of God, seeing what God did there. God single-handedly defeated the most powerful army on earth at the time. Israel didn't need to lift a finger. Only Moses had to raise his hand and his staff in faith and see what God did. Moses' faith and obedience was used by God to protect the weak and defeat the mighty. We sung something similar about that earlier today. Israel crossed on dry land with a wall of water on each 
side of them, whether it be as often the films depict a towering wall of water above their head, or whether it be that the water was there on either side, that the wind had driven it back, creating a path, and that, that wall being a wall that Pharaoh couldn't get a path uh, across, I'll leave for you to decide. But ultimately, God calls it to happen supernaturally in response to Moses' faith and obedience. This should have dramatically increased Israel's faith in God for the future, which is why I read that next bit, because actually it didn't. And that's a lesson to us. My friends, the Bible says in Romans 15, verse 4, that these things were written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of Scripture, we might have hope. Things that God has done in Scripture and things that God has done in your life in the past are supposed to help you get to the next level of faith and obedience that God has for you to take. What is God calling you to lift up your hands in faith towards at the moment? Will you lift up your hands in faith? Will you surrender your life and go down that path that God has for you to walk down, regardless of the opposition or obstacles that may come your way? You see, when you do take God at his word and operate in faith, you're like the man who operates a crane. His hand moves the mighty arm of the crane, and the crane moves weights infinitely greater than he could ever move. Likewise, when we act out of faith and obedience to God, we move the almighty arm of God, and he enables you to do things way beyond you could ever do yourself. God wants you, you see, as co-heirs with Jesus to co-labor with him. He wants you involved as his people in the plans and purposes of God. I tell you, it's an awesome privilege to be a child of God. Don't be people who forget what God has done in the past or what he's doing in the present time amongst you. Like Moses encourages Israel to, to sing and to praise God for what he has done. Let's take stock of what God is doing and has done. Let's take time to praise him and to thank him. And let that build up your trust to follow him into the things that he's got for you. And my friends, trust looks like faith and obedience, by the way, just in case you're wondering. It looks like, it looks like standing firm the next time trouble or difficulty come your way, which they will, if you haven't already figured that out. Like they did for Israel, you need to, as uh, 1 Peter tells us, prepare your minds for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because you will face difficulties this side of eternity. You will face 
trouble. And that's why we're called to actually be people who are focused on the age to come. We're living for the age to come. And uh, we're building our lives, or should be building our lives towards the age to come. Not things here and now. And actually, that's why some of you are struggling because you're not actually, you love Jesus, yes, but you're not living or investing your life in eternity. You're living for here and now. And things keep happening to you which detract from your life here and now. And you're getting angry or sad with God. Why are you letting this happen to me? And yet, actually, the problem's not God, it's you. You're building your life here, and God's trying to prepare you for eternity. My friends, Jesus says, in the world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. We all want a great testimony, don't we? We love hearing great testimonies. Well, to have a great testimony, you have to face great tests and overcome them by faith and obedience. Some of those tests may last your whole life, but you have to persevere in faith and obedience through. It may be, and it's not always things that you want to happen. It may be the loss of a loved one. It may be the loss of your health, that for whatever reason, this side of eternity, God is not going to heal. And you have to live with that. It may be the consequences of other people's sin that has negatively impacted your life. Or it may be that just life has worked out in a way that, it's, uh, that you don't like, and that's difficult. But through faith in God, he can cause you to be fruitful and to store up a rich eternal reward as you remain faithful and good-hearted through all these trials. For others, through faith we see breakthroughs, through faith we see healing, through faith we have the ability to overcome the challenges that come your way. Do you know the Apostle John, he died in good faith at a ripe old age. Hallelujah. His brother James was the first apostle to be martyred for his faith in Jesus. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul, he healed many people, saw supernatural miracles through faith. Praise God. And yet, at the same time, he had to live the rest of his earthly life with a thorn in his flesh that he didn't want. And he did it faithfully. Praise God. My friends, what I'm saying is God is not a giant genie bowing before you saying, your wish is my command. He's the almighty God. You're his servant who you bow before and you say, your wish, God, is my command. Or to put it another way, you pray daily, which I'm sure many of you do, your kingdom come, your will be done, God. You see, we're God's servants. He's not our servant. We should serve him, yet we have the wonderful privilege that he says to us, the living God says, you are my beloved child. Trust me, I have the best for you. The future I have for you and the work I want to do through you and through your life is better than you can imagine or even ask for when you see it 
from the perspective of eternity. So, my friends, in faith, obediently keep in step with the Spirit and walk down the path God has carved out of the sea of life for you to walk on. Amen? Amen. Can I invite the worship team back up here, please? Just a few things that I'm going to call people to respond to this morning. If you're here this morning, as we pray for every week, we're praying for people who want to be either filled afresh with the Holy Spirit or want to be healed, uh, have something you want to be healed from, please come forward to my front right, your front left over here. We'd love to uh, stand with you and pray with you for these things. There's also, and uh, as Rob mentioned this, uh, I've, got, I've got here, there's some steps of faith and obedience God is calling some of you to, to, to take, and Rob highlighted some of them in his word. If that's you, if you know, actually, yeah, this is a step, I'm struggling to take it, or I'm going to take it, but it's going to be difficult. I just want someone to come and uh, stand alongside me and pray for me. Again, please come to uh, my front right over here, Uh, during this song and we'll pray for you and then finally do you know for some of you life is tough life is hard at the moment and you just want someone to to stand with you to put their hand upon you and to pray God's love and his comfort on you this morning again if that's you please come forward over here as we sing this song there'll be people available here to pray for you I invite you to stand. I'll just pray for us generally, and then I'll hand over to Catherine. Father, thank you that that is who you are. You're our heavenly Father who loves us. You're our good shepherd who keeps us safe. And Lord, we trust you with our lives. Lord, we want to surrender ourselves afresh to you and say your will be done, Lord God, your kingdom come. Lord, and I just pray for each of my dear brothers and sisters here, Lord Jesus, that you would just come and meet with them afresh this morning. That you'd come and touch their lives, Lord God. Father, thank you that you've got great things that you want to do through them. Lord Jesus, thank you that some of them are going through difficult times, Lord God, and as they hold on to you, you see that, Lord God, and their faith is beautiful in it. And Lord, some are struggling with that, Lord. I just pray you would just come and touch each one of us afresh, Lord God. Father, thank you, Lord, that we can trust you. Thank you that you are preparing an eternal place for us, Lord God, that's way beyond that we could ever ask or imagine. And Lord God, we thank you for that wonderful truth. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just pour, that you would just come and just fill each one of us afresh now, Lord. Take us deeper into you. Raise our faith, raise our expectation, raise our level of obedience to you, I pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.